All right, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 51 starting out this morning. Isaiah chapter 51. Appreciate y'all being here this morning. and God bless y'all. And uh, uh, We're going to be giving an invitation at the end of these services. And I've been, uh, I've been kind of slack in, in presenting the invitation. I always want to present the invitation as an invitation to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. I don't know where everybody's heart is this morning. I'm praying and hoping everybody in here is saved. But if you're, if you're not, this is an invitation for you to come on down and get saved. But also, if you're just here and you, uh, I haven't actually come to you and asked you, but you know you're more than welcome if you want to join this church. I, the way we've always done it, I've been out here about, oh, going on 16 years or longer. If you come more than two times to this church, you're a member. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. We look at you that way. But if you want to join the church, you're more than welcome to come join the church. We're just mighty sinners, saved by mighty grace. And... Uh, uh, we're just going to try to keep on preaching Jesus Christ until he comes back. That's what we're looking for. So look at Isaiah chapter 51. We're going to be at verse 16. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16. That's where we're going to start this morning. The Lord says here, this is the Lord speaking through Isaiah. We'll look at verse 15 get the context. But I am the Lord thy God. That divided the sea, whose waves roared. Talking about splitting that Red Sea so Israel could pass over. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth. And I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand. That I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth. And say unto Zion, thou art my people. Christian, you're God's people. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and there. The father is talking to Israel and he says, I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand. See, he, that shadow of my hand, what that speaks to, it doesn't speak to. Remember when you were kids and you would go catch a lizard or go catch a frog or whatever you'd catch. Or maybe you even got lucky enough to catch a bird or whatever. You wouldn't squeeze that thing as tight as you could because you know you would kill it. You know that it couldn't breathe. What you do, you kind of keep it cupped in your hand. And that's what God's showing you here. I have covered thee, covered thee in the shadow of thy hand. I've covered you in the shadow, excuse me, of mine hand. There's no better place to be than in the hands of Jesus Christ. No better place. There's no better place to be than in the hands of Jesus Christ. I know when you turn on the news now or turn on TV, I don't know if they still do them, but Allstate used to have the commercial that said, you're in good hands with Allstate. Well, I'm here to tell you, you're in better hands with Jesus Christ. You're in better hands with Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you humbly, Lord God. And, Father, I do pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us this morning into all truth, Lord God. I pray, Father, you bless every soul in here, Lord. They could be anywhere else, but they chose to come into your house, Lord God, and to open your book up and to read it and hear it being read, Lord, and preached. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would honor that, Lord, and move. Move among your people this morning, Lord God. Encourage us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that you would uh, build a hedge of protection around every heart in this room, Lord God, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, Lord. And I do thank you again, Father, for these words we can read and the promises out of your book. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So let's go into John chapter 20. I'm going to show you some things about the hands of Jesus Christ. The hands of Jesus Christ. So if you will, turn with me to John chapter 20. And I'll show you some things about the hands of Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you three different things. First off, I'm going to show you that 
You're going to find comfort in the hands of Jesus Christ. You're going to find discipline in the hands of Jesus Christ. You're going to find assurance in the hands of Jesus Christ. But let's start out with some comfort. Let's start out with, look at John chapter 20, Gospel of John chapter 20. Go all the way down to, to verse 24. Gospel of John chapter 20, go all the way down to verse 24. There's comfort in the hands of Jesus Christ. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Denimus, was not with them when Jesus came. So Thomas was one of the disciples. Jesus appeared to the disciples. And when he appeared to the disciples, when he did appear to the disciples, they weren't, they were there, but Thomas wasn't there. And when he appeared to them, Thomas showed up later. And they're like, hey, Jesus showed up. And we got to see him. We got to touch him. He's alive. And Thomas said, like, I don't believe that. And that's what he's going to say. I don't believe one word of it, y'all. Look at verse 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's the way a lot of people are today. Show me Jesus. Well, it's by faith. You've got to take him by faith. Well, I want to see him physically show up. I want to see him. Do you understand that now that we have a resurrected Savior, this Jesus Christ sitting on the right hand of God, and when Jesus Christ shows back up, if you're not behind him, you're going to be in front of him. I mean, that's the last place you want to be is in front of Jesus Christ when he comes back. Because see, when he was down on this earth, he walked around like a lamb ready to be slain. But when Jesus Christ comes back the second time, he's coming back as a lion, king of kings and lord of lords. So I can't show you Jesus Christ. Whenever Jesus Christ unveiled his glory there to Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were blinded. They couldn't see. It's like the sun shining forth. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. He's glorious. You'd burn up in the presence of Jesus Christ. And he, he's saying, unless I can see it, I'm not going to believe it. Verse 26, and after eight days, again, his disciples were with him within and Thomas with them, he's with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Amen. Guys, uh, the only way you're going to approach Jesus Christ is through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I hate to tell you, I can't bring Jesus Christ down here to you physically and show him to you. You're going to have to just take him by faith. If I was to bring Jesus Christ down and bring him in the back of the room and say, Everybody, this is Jesus. And everybody, y'all would turn and say, Who did he get picked that hippie up from? I know how y'all think. He's got an actor to play Jesus. That's not the real Jesus. And then if I had Jesus, if Jesus came in this room and he ascended through the, the ceiling and come through there, you know what y'all would be doing? Y'all would have the ladder out. Y'all would be touching the ceiling like, how'd they pull that trick off? I'm, if You're not going to believe unless you want to believe. Just believe by faith. Thomas finding Jesus Christ as my Lord and my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You're blessed Everybody in this room that knows Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, put their faith in Jesus Christ, you're blessed. You're not like Thomas. You say, I don't need to see you, Lord. I just put my faith in you. Will you please save me? Will you please cleanse me? Wash me of my sins, and the Lord will do that for you. And he blesses you. Well, what I'm trying to show you here about the hands of Jesus Christ is these are nail-scarred hands. 
And what I'm trying to say about why is there comfort in that? There's comfort when you're, li- when you're living or you're laying in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. Those nail-scarred hands tells you that every time you feel that nail-scarred hand, you feel that scar inside his hand that tells you that he loved you enough to die for you. That's a reminder that he loved you enough to die for you. He purchased you. He wanted you. He wants you this morning. He wants to save you. He wants to save you enough that he's willing to die for you. And when you feel those nail-scarred hands, that's a real comfort to know that the, the God of the universe loves you enough to have died for you. Do you realize when we get into a million years into eternity, a million years into eternity, Everything you think about today, that'll all be past. Nobody will care about it. It'll all be gone. It'll be new Jerusalem, a new earth, a new heaven. Everything will be brand new. There'll be only one thing left of what man did. The wounds of Jesus Christ. That's it. Jesus, what did man do? He's going to raise his hands like this. This is what man did. But it's also well, how much I love you. You know, I was reading an old time story about this. There was a fire broke out in the building. And they got down to the building. This is back in the late 1800s. And they looked up and there was a young boy up in that window. And he was crying out. And a man down there, they were trying to find a way to get up there. And they tried to go in the building and the fire was, too, was engulfed the whole bottom floor. They couldn't get into the building. So there was a man in the crowd and there was a pipe. A pipe that ran up the side of that building. So that guy grabbed a hold of that pipe, and that pipe was scorching hot. And he grabbed that pipe, and he climbed that pipe, and he took that boy, and he put that boy on his back, and he climbed back down that pipe, and he got down. His hands were just scorched and burned. It scarred him. Well, the little boy's parents died in that fire. So they had a big town meeting. Who's going to raise this boy? Who's going to raise the boy? And they brought in people, people in the town meeting stood up and said, I'm a banker. I have, I have all the wealth I could ever need. I could provide this boy everything he could ever want. Somebody else stood up and said, hey, I can provide him all the education he ever wanted. I've got money. I've got background. I can do whatever I want to do for him. And everybody waited to see what the guy that saved him was going to say. Who was going to raise this young boy? And they waited to see what the guy that Satan was going to say. And that guy walked in the back door. He walked all the way down. And he stood in front of the crowd. And all he did is raised his hands. Nobody had anything to say. The boy went with him. Why? He had already shown through his love that through the nail-scarred, fire-scarred hands. You got the nail-scarred hands. It's a comfort. Look at, Luke, look at John chapter 2. Look at John chapter 2. Well, we got a good Savior in Jesus Christ. I just don't want y'all to forget it. I don't want you to forget, man, you got the best thing going in Jesus Christ. You got the be- and sometimes I get to preaching on Revelation. I get to preaching about the wrath of God and the wrath of Jesus Christ. And some of that stuff's so deep, some of that stuff's so far out there, it's almost like watching some kind of science fiction movie when you're reading the book of Revelation or preaching it, that sometimes we need to stop on a Sunday like this and say, hey, let's just remember how good Jesus Christ is. Let's just remember how good it is to be saved. Let's just remember that there's a place in heaven waiting for us. You know, it hit home to me when I was preaching that funeral for Matthew's grandmother, Matthew and Wade's grandmother. It kind of hit home to me. That dear Christian lady, I'd known her for years and years and years and years, good Christian lady and everything, and there she was in the dirt. Can I, can I prove that she's going to come back up? I can't prove it, not scientifically. 
All I can say is I believe that she's saved. I believe she's in heaven. I believe. And if somebody comes up, how do you know? I just know that I know. That's where my faith is. And when you have faith like that, guys, I'm telling you, it should just make life a lot better. When you know where they're at. Look at Luke, um, excuse me, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, let's skip, skip down to verse 13 for time's sake. We're going to see there's, there's disciplines in the hand, there's discipline in the hands of Jesus. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money. So what's going on here is that the Jews would come in from all over the, world, all over the known world, and they'd come in and they had to sacrifice for their sins. They had to do sacrifices for their sins. So they'd go in there, and if they had money, they'd buy a lamb. If they didn't have, that, if they didn't have enough money, they would buy a, 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 a dove. They had, they, the God had it set up where however much money you had, that's what you had to buy or you brought in to God to sacrifice for your sins. So what they do is they made it convenient, and in the temple they had all these money changers. And you come in and say, well, I need to buy a dove, because I need, and I need to buy a lamb. or I need a, And that's what Jesus Christ, they're turning it into a, it basically is a commerce. They're turning it, he's, they're turning it into a commerce. It was a business. And found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and dove seed. The rich is the oxen, the, the middle class is the sheep, and the poor people are the doves. And the changers of money sitting. Because they'd have all kinds of different money from all the known world come in. And like we'd say, hey, can you change these pesos for a dollar bill? And they'd use that to go buy. So there's all this going on, and Jesus sees this. And look what he does in verse 15. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Now that's a man's man right there. <laughs> you know why I know that's a man's man? I've seen how men act when you mess with their money. Is he me he's messing with their money. Not only is he taking their money and throwing it over, he's taking the table you're using and throwing it over. And don't you know there's some of them men that stuck and say, hey man, what are you doing? And then they seen the eyes of Jesus Christ and went, oh, okay, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Don't you know it? Don't you know it? Don't you know there's some men up there like, I'm going I'm, to, I'll whip him. He comes over and does that to my table, I'm going to whip him. And then Jesus comes over and does that and he sees Jesus and he sees the eyes of Jesus and he's like, no way. <laughs> I'm messing with that man right there. He's taking his hands and throwing the changers' money and overthrew the tables in verse 16 and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. See, in the hands of Jesus, you've got discipline. There's discipline in the hands of Jesus. Christians don't like to talk about this much. We don't like to deal with this much. But you know the Lord will whip you. He will whip you. He'll spank you. Now, how that'll happen, that's between you and him. It might be emotional problems. It might be physical problems. It might not be anything I can even describe it between you and him, but he will spank you. And we don't like it. Amen? But you know what I know about a good parent? Now listen to me, kids. If you're out there, listen to me. If they love you, they will discipline you. I talked to a teacher a couple years ago. We were talking about some things, and she's, I said, well, can't you spank them? 
Because, you know, that's the first I hear about how these kids act in school. I'm like, well, can't you spank them, you know? At least get them over in a corner where the cameras can't see you and just, you know. No, you can't do that. But they can, they, they can sign a release where the principal can sign, spank them. And that's still going on. I don't know if it's in all the school districts, but I know it was in this school district. I'm like, wow, well, that's great. You know what she told me? But you have to send the paper home for the parent. And the parent has to agree that, they, that we can spank them, or the principal can spank them. I said, well, that's great. <laughs> you know who brings back that paper signed? Is the kids that don't need the spanking. They're already getting the spanking at home, so when they bring in that paper, they're already getting the spanking. They're not, they're not the ones. The ones that need the spanking are the ones the parents won't sign the paper. <laughs> but deal with that whether you want. If, the lo- if your parents love you, they'll discipline you. Now, what is that discipline? I, that's between you and your kids, right? Now, I was a guy that I, I grew up getting whipped, spanked. I spanked my son. He's not a murderer, an axe murderer right now. He lived through it. That's between you and the Lord. Now, the Lord does speak, and the Bible does speak about spanking. That goes against everything they're saying now, that you're going to ruin your kids. The Lord will spank you. Remember when you were a kid, and I don't know if you're like my parents or my mom, this is going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you. Yeah, right. You liar. Lying through your teeth. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, that makes no sense at all. It's gonna, you're going to physically whip me on the honey with that whip or whatever, and I'm supposed to believe that it's going to hurt you worse than it's going to hurt me? Get out of here. So I'm a grown man now, have a son, raise a son, raise a couple stepkids, yeah. It does hurt me worse. It did. Because the last thing I want to do is to discipline my son. I want my son to behave. I wanted my son to do what was right. And when I had to discipline him, it hurt me. It hurt me to see him crying. It hurt me for him to be upset. It hurt me. It bothered me. And to this day, just talking about it bothers me. But it's something that a good parent has to do because I loved him. And I did not like him acting the way he was acting. Amen? That's why, they do, that's why the Lord does it. What happens is the Lord's upset at how you're acting and he wants you to straighten up so he's going to discipline you. Let me go so far as to say this. You never have, and my wife, I've wanted to, I've thought about it, but I have never disciplined somebody else's kids. I've never been in Walmart and seen somebody else's kids misbehave and go, oh, I, let me take my belt off. I'll just go, can you imagine that? I mean, I've wanted to. I won't go, yes, ma'am, let me handle this situation for you. Quack, 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 you know. I ain't just screaming. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd be in jail and have a picture of the pastor, you know, pastor in and got baptized, abused his kid or whatever, you know. I'd be smiling at least in the picture. But I've never done that. I've wanted to. I've never. Why? That's not my kid. Notice the Lord. Were there whorehouses at this time? Yes. Were there dens of thieves? Yes. Were there all kinds of bad things going on at the time of Jesus? Yes. Did he do anything to them? Not one stinking thing. They don't belong to him. This house belonged to him. And he said, you know what? I don't like what's going on here. And he took his hands and disciplined it. That's what he'll do in your life. Why does he do that? Because you belong to him. And you'll be getting disciplined. And you'll be getting, oh man, and the Lord's whipping you. And you look over there. And there's somebody living the high life, doing worse than you. And you're like, Lord, why don't you do something to them? They don't belong to me, Keegan. That should be a comfort to you. The Lord loves you enough to discipline you. See, in the hands of Jesus, he'll bring out your best. When you let Jesus Christ grab a hold of you, when you get in the hands of Jesus, it'll bring out each and every one of y'all's best. 
The best illustration I can give you on that is that years ago, back in the uh, early 1800s, I love these stories because they're, they're, they ring so true even today. They had an auction for a Stradivarius violin, beautiful violin, very expensive violin. And the auctioneer called somebody up there, a musician up there, and he called us some musicians. He said, hey, play this violin for everybody to hear it. So the musician got up there, you know, and played a little bit on it. And he set it down. And the, the bidding, let's start off the bidding. And it was real slow. Nobody was really bidding. And nobody really wanted to move. And then at the, about that time, there was an Italian man stood up at the back of the room. And this Italian man came up to the front. He picked up that violin this Italian man started playing this violin, and the room came alive. This violin came alive. And the people that were there said there were people moved to tears as he played on this violin. And as he got done, he set the violin back down, and he went back and sat at the back of the room, and the bidding took off. People started bidding like crazy. That man that stood up, that Italian man, was Pagadini, the great violinist. Italian violinist. He was a master. But in a lesser man's hands, that violin wasn't the same. But when you put that violin in a master's hands, it's amazing what God can do. See, we're serving the master. And some of y'all may have been putting your life into the wrong hands. And it'll ruin you. And things won't go like you think they should. You need to put your hands in the master's hands. Jesus Christ, and allow him to work. You think that violin like that? Not much. What do you mean, brother? You got that violin with those strings? Don't you know that guy got up there, if it was like me, and he just put his finger on one, it was like, just making all kinds of awful noises? But what did the master do when he got a hold? He took those strings and he bent them as far as they would go. You got to bend those strings. You got to really hammer down on those strings in that piano to make the sound come out, don't you? Take some hammer and take some stretching. He's going to make you feel uncomfortable. He's going to make you do some things maybe you weren't ready to do. But boy, in the master's hands, he's going to bring out the best in you. I'm the best Kigan I'm going to be, not because Kigan did anything, but because of Jesus Christ in my life. I've said this a hundred times, and I mean it with all my heart. If I did not get saved when I was 17 years old, I would be in prison right now. No doubt about it. And the only reason I'm not in prison is Jesus Christ. And the only thing good about me is Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm willing to get up here and praise Jesus Christ. Because he's the master. And when I, put my hand, when I put myself in his hands, I've had comfort. And yeah, I've had discipline. But it's been the best place to be. Because he's took me and he's used me and made me something that nobody could have ever dreamed. That's my friends. <laughs> I had a friend that, when he found out I was preaching, he, the first thing came out of his mouth. With a mouth like that? I cussed every other word. I was a bad, bad cusser. I mean, not like, I, cu I cuss worse than a sailor. Why did the Lord call me? I guess he's seen there's an old beat-up violin, but when I grab this and I, and I make this thing sound really good, you know what's going to happen? People are going to know it's the master playing it. It's not the violin. I don't get the glory. Jesus Christ gets the glory. It's the best place to be in the hands of Jesus. Look at uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Yeah, he'll bring out your best. John chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus Christ will bring out the best in you. Yep, Jesus Christ will bring out the best in you. 
Jesus Christ will bring, make you do things and, and have you doing things you never dreamed you could do. Yes, sir. I mean, I'm a living testimony to that. I've known so many brothers and sisters in Christ that the Lord's had them do something they never dreamed. They never dreamed they'd be doing. You know, Matthew's our, our song leader. If you would have told me that he was going to be up here leading song in front of everybody, I, I would have laughed you at your, in your face. But he, God put a calling on him. Matthew's one of the most shy guys you're going to meet. See, I can say this because he's not here. I don't want to embarrass him in front of anybody. Matthew's very, very shy. And I want you all to know, if, if you don't see him, if he doesn't say something to you, he's not being rude to you, he just is, he's shy. And Miranda's that way too, I think. And they're a perfect match, amen. But if you'd have told me that Matthew's going to get in front of people and sing, that's got to be God. And God's blessed him for it. God's took Matthew, because Matthew's willing to put his life in the Lord's hands, and the Lord's used him, and got the most out of him for his glory. If he could do that with me, if he can do that with Matthew, what could he do with any of y'all? Maybe everything. Look at John chapter 10, verse 28. So we found that there's discipline, there's comfort, there's discipline. There's comfort, there's discipline. And now we're going to find out there's assurance. There's assurance in the hands of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 10, verse 28 of John. And I give unto them, talking about those that follow him, his sheep, I give unto them eternal life. Notice it didn't say they earned it. He said, they earned eternal life. He said, no, I give it to them. He said, the Lord's going to give you eternal life. He's either going to give it to you or you're not going to get it at all. You're not going to work for it. Why is that? Because he's going to get all the glory. He gets all the glory in the end. If you could earn it, number one, if you could earn it, then why did he have to die? Amen? Because he could just, you could just be good enough and you can get into heaven. And number two, when you get to heaven, if you can earn it when you get to heaven, then you'll be up there and you'll be praising yourself. You say, you should have known what I've done for the Lord. I, was, I went to church and I did that. The Lord don't want none of that nonsense. He wants you to get to heaven and he wants you to get down and see Jesus Christ and start singing to him and praising him and giving him all the glory. Because he gave it to you guys. He didn't have to. But he did, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never, never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's assurance. The beautiful thing about being in the hands of Jesus Christ is knowing that you're not going to go to hell. That's for me. Because it's wonderful to think about heaven. It's wonderful to think about what's waiting for us in heaven. It's wonderful to think about eternal life. But see, it's, I'm thinking that way today because that's what I'm looking forward to. But there was a time before I knew Jesus Christ, but what was on my mind was a burning hell that I deserved. And that's where I was going to go. And the Holy Spirit was working on my heart, saying, you're not right. If you die, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to burn. You've got to pay for your sins. You've got to pay for your sins. But there's a way out. Jesus Christ paid for your sins. You need to take him. You need to take that free gift. You need to receive him. The Holy Spirit was just working on me. And hell was right there. I could smell hell. I knew what hell was. But man, once I got saved, I don't think about hell anymore. I'm thinking about heaven. I talk about heaven. My loved ones are up. And that's what I get to thinking about. And sometimes I have to stop myself and say, hey, that's right. He saved me from hell. He didn't just save me to heaven. He saved me from hell. And he says there, I give unto them eternal life.
Thank you, Lord, for that gift. And they shall never perish. You know what that word never means? It means never, ever. (laughs) So don't try to talk yourself into hell. You're going to heaven. If you like it or not, you're going. If you know Jesus Christ, you're going. You just need to receive him. You're in God's hands. He's not in your hands. What I mean by that is, you don't have God. God has you. Let me say that again. You're in God's hands. He's not in yours. You didn't grab a hold of God and say, well, I'm going to grab a hold and I might slip or I might No, God grabbed a hold of you. And we always say that, and there's nothing wrong with it. We say, hey, put it in God's hands. But what we're talking about, we're talking about the cares. We're talking about the problems of life. We're talking about the sins we're dealing with. We should put them into God's hands. We should put them into God's care. But honestly, guys, as a Christian, you're in God's hands. You don't have him. He has you. And this shadow of his hand is covering you. Precious, precious. You're precious to him. And he's got you. Verse 29, my father, which gave them me, he gave them to Jesus Christ, he gave you to Jesus Christ, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Oh, great verse. My father, which gave them all, is greater than all, all. He's greater than all the armed forces. He's greater than all the satanic forces in the world. He's greater than all your sins. God is. And you're in those hands. You don't have him, he has you. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Praise God. That's that's his deity showing up there. That's Jesus Christ's deity showing up there. There's assurance in the hands of Jesus Christ because he's all-powerful. He's not going to let you down. He's never let me down. He's not going to let you down. He's all-powerful. He's got this. He's, he, if he says he's going to give you eternal life, you got it. He's going to keep you. You're not going to perish. He's all-powerful. These are the hands that was healing everybody that come across him. Be healed. These are the hands that were casting out the devils. These are the hands that stood in a boat and calmed the creation itself. How can a man calm a tornado? How can a man calm a strong storm? How can a man do that? Only if that man is the man that created that storm. The creator stood up with these hands and calmed his creation. Be ye still, be ye calm. Those are the hands you're in, all powerful. The hands of Jesus Christ. It's assurance. Let me show you one last verse. Look at Luke chapter 23, and I'm closing. Luke 23, let me show you one last verse. It's Jesus hung on the cross. Let me show you one last thing. Luke chapter 23, excuse me, Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Let me show you one last as we close. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. You have assurance. You have assurance that you're in the hands of Jesus. You go, you're never going to go to hell. He's all powerful. And I'm going to tell you something. There's assurance knowing that when you take your last breath, that's where you're going to be. 
Look at Jesus Christ on the cross. Look at the end of his life on the cross. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. You're in the hands of God. So whenever you take your last breath on this earth, you're in the hands of Jesus. That's a great assurance. That's a great assurance. The flip side of this, there's always a flip side, is found in Hebrews 10.31. It is a fearful thing. Let me read this again. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. See, a Christian's not worried about falling into the hands of God. We already are in the hands of God. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, that's a fearful thing. You fall into the hands of a God that knows all you. We, talk, we learned about this in Sunday school this morning. He knows all your secret sins that nobody else knows about. He knows about them. And you're going to answer for them. And he's all-powerful. We just seen that. You're not going to be able to escape. When you fall into the hands of a living God, Peter, uh, Paul says here in Hebrews, it's a fearful thing, but not for a Christian. We're in the best place we could be, amen? We got all the comfort we could ever desire, we got all the discipline we could need, and we got all the assurance that we could ever want. And then where's that at? It's only found in the nail-scarred hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you, Father, for those nail-scarred hands. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you've been using those hands to discipline me. Now, Lord, I pray, Father, that I would take that discipline and grow through it and, and mature through it, Lord God, and not fight you. And, Lord, and make, and, and make you a better son and make you a better, uh, a better ambassador, Lord. Just work on my heart. And, Father, I just thank you, Father, for the comfort I have in your hands. It's a comfort to know that you love me enough to die for me with those nail-scarred hands, Lord, and it's a... It's an assurance, Lord God, you give me that nobody's ever going to be able to pluck me out of your hands. And I thank you, Lord, that I don't have you, you have me. And Lord, I pray, Father, as I'm closing out here this morning, Lord, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord God, you speak to the heart the truth, Lord, that you died for them, you love them. They just need to come down and believe and receive you, and you'll give them that eternal life. Lord, thank you for doing that for me so many years ago, Lord, and I thank you for these people that love you and come in here to... To learn more about you, Lord God, I pray you bless them. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. We're going to have an invitation.